all of this shifting of seasons and starting up of new ministries is connected to our study back where in Luke 17 this morning. I'd like you to open your Bibles there with me. And there in Luke 17, 5, the disciples are, are seeing how much is required of them in the ministry. They're seeing how much there is to do. And one of the surprises in ministry, and we love to be in the middle of what God is doing. Amen? It's, it's a, a basic prayer of a lot of us. Lord, would you use my life? Have you ever asked the Lord to use your life? And the, the thing we imagine is if I am right in God's will, there's just going to be peace. It's going to be exciting all the time. And what you are surprised by in ministry are some of the challenges that come with it. Sometimes people joke that ministry would be great if it wasn't for what? You can say it, the people. We don't really mean it because we're, we're in ministry to help people who are often troubled and weighed down by things. But it will test you. It will push you to the limits. And it is a surprise especially if you take on any leadership position, the sudden weight of responsibility that comes with ministry. It's, you know it's coming, but nobody can explain it to you. And the disciples say to Jesus, Luke 17, 5, increase our faith. Increase our faith. Now, what does that mean? Faith is our side of receiving of God's supply. All that God has for us is given unto us, given to us uh, under that heading of the grace of God. Grace is another word for supply. And it is a daily provision of God's supply for what you need. What you need to raise a family, to be in your marriage, to go to your jobs, to do any ministry here, you need a constant supply of the strength of God. Because what you discover really quickly when helping other people is you don't have what it takes. How many of you have discovered that before? I would love to help these people, but they irritate me. <laughs> Not really, but the fact that you feel irritated or impatient toward people is a revelation that you don't really have what it takes to really serve people. And in ministry, often pastors don't feel permission to acknowledge um, their fatigue and their discouragement. Ministry is exhausting. But it's exhausting, I say to pastors, for the right reasons. Because you're expending yourself for people, and it is draining. But while you are 
serving the Lord and discovering things about yourself, you are also discovering things about the Lord. And what I want for each of you to discover is the Lord's presence in your life. He didn't just send you off to go do some ministry for him. He's with you. He's with you. And in fact, John 15, he said, abide in me, for without me, you can do nothing. Abide means to be connected, stay connected. As the branch gets grafted into the vine and the branch bears fruit only because it is connected to the vine. The branch is not able to do anything of itself. But once it's grafted into the vine, its very purpose is to be fruitful. And I love that, that you and I were created to be connected to the Lord and bear fruit. And often you feel like, well, I have to produce something. I have to make something happen in ministry. And if you've ever felt that way, uh, one of the great, great lessons of ministry is to be set free from feeling like you have to produce something. The branch doesn't get grafted into the vine and then say, well, I better bear some grapes or they're going to kick me out of here. The branch just stays connected. And I've talked to you about this before. We don't use the word abide, but we know what it means to be connected. You and I cannot do anything in our life without being connected. Where's my phone? Where's my computer? Or where's the Wi-Fi password? Once you're connected, you know what's going on out in the world. I discovered some years ago that, you know, in our iPhones, your home pages are just full of these, these apps. We call them apps, but they're icons. The icon is not the whole access, but it is the touch point. Touch my cash, cash app. That means I'm going to send somebody some money. Give me your phone number. I'll send you 20 bucks. The app is an icon, and it's an icon means that it represents all of the access and the power that comes with it. Do you know that? This little graphic little square that's on your iPhone or whatever, I'm going to touch it, and I know that by touching it, it gives me access. Do you know that the word icon is the same Greek word as image? And we were created in the icon of Christ. If we touch Jesus, you have access. He's the touch point, like the woman who was, was sick, touched Jesus, the hem of his garment. And he said, who touched me that power has gone out from me? Someone asked me last night, Steve, sitting in the back row, Pastor Terry, we were having Mexican food. What's your vision for this church? 
my vision for this church is that this is a church where we are all growing in the love of God. That's a short little sentence, and you think about all that goes into making a church that is conducive to people being comfortable, finding the love of God, trusting God, trusting relationships, learning of God's word. And all of that is that each one of you would come into a connected, abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't just go to church. You come to church to grow in your personal relationship with the Lord. And it's in that connection with Jesus, then you're going to discover relationships. You're going to have love for people you didn't have before. And you're also going to discover his purpose for your life. We can say we have ministry opportunities and here's a sign-up sheet. That doesn't mean you should be doing those things. And if you get pressured into doing things that God hasn't really called you to do, you're not going to enjoy it. And that's not good for me, and that's not going to be good for the church. All right? We don't need a bunch of grumbly volunteers. I would love for you to be excited about the Lord and say, how can I serve? And if you're excited in one place or another place, then I want to see the Lord work in your life and help you to grow. You're going to grow personally, and the Lord's going to work through you personally to minister to other people. But as you are doing that, you're going to be put to the test you are going to be put to the test. The very thing you want to do is going to put you to the test. Back in 1974, can you handle an old man story? I grew up in Los Angeles, played drums in the marching band, thought I was hot stuff. I tried out for and got a position in the Los Angeles All-City Marching Band. 350 members from all the best players from around the L.A. City School District, 60 drummers. If you were one of the good drummers, then they put you on the end of the drum line where the cameras would put you on television, and we would march in the L.A. All-City, or the, uh, the Rose Parade, New Year's Day. So I did that three times, and I was so excited to march in the, in, the, uh, in the Rose Parade. Anybody else here march in the Rose Parade? No? Jordan. Anyway, I liked you more than everybody else. <laughs> it was a big deal to march in the Rose Parade. Do you remember how long it was? It was like seven and a half miles. I had a big, heavy snare drum on the strap pulling on my shoulder. And even though I was a gymnast, it was, it was wearing me out. It was killing me. We were marching and marching and marching. And at one point, I thought, I cannot do this anymore. I said to the guy next to me, how much longer is this parade? 
he pointed about a block away. He says, you see those palm trees down there? I said, yeah. And I thought he was going to say, that's the end. He says, that's halfway. I just was like, I'm doing the very thing I love to do. And it was like, well, just shoot me now. <laughs> there is no way I can, I can do another of what I have just done. Somehow I survived and did the whole parade. And they rewarded us with uh, cold Big Macs and warm Dr. Pepper. <laughs> it was awesome. So the next year, I wanted to do it again. I don't know why, but I wanted to do it again. I was so geared up for this to be uh, the torture that I went through the year before that it was over before the real pain ever set in. Somehow, it, it didn't come, and I was so ready for it, and it was done and I thought, I'm awesome. And being ready for it mentally. And I think that's important to realize that serving the Lord is awesome. To discover the gifts God gives you. But I want you to know, endurance is required. And my favorite word in pastoral coaching is normal. When pastors get tired and discouraged, they think something's wrong with them. Why do I feel like this? I'm so exhausted. And I'll say, when was the last time you took a Sunday off? And they will say, a couple of years ago. I'm going, who do you think you are that you can minister week after week year after year, and not rest. If you expend yourself for other people, it can be exhausting. And that is normal. And when you find yourself serving the Lord and getting irritable, maybe you need a little time out. Amen? Just like your kids. I watch my grandkids. They just need a little time out once in a while. Philippians 2, 12 and 13, Paul says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. God has put in you something that needs to get worked out. You're not working for, Paul's didn't say work for your salvation. Your salvation is given to you. It's a free gift received by faith. But certainly once you are born again, you have to work out your place in the family of God, God's purpose for your life. You're, you're discovering what's there just like you do with your kids. You see gifts and abilities in them. You have to develop them, put them in opportunities. Suddenly, my 13-year-old grandson has discovered he wants to play drums. I've been trying to get him to play drums forever. And then suddenly, yesterday, he's going, Grandpa, can we go to the drum shop and buy sticks? I'm going, no, I don't have time for that. 
Look, when I make a joke, you have to laugh. And I want all of my grandkids to discover the, the thing that they're really gifted to do, their, their aptitudes, and not, not, you know, go down some path that God really hasn't planned for them. And it's really the same thing in our Christian life. When you're born again into the family of God, you are working out what God has put into you. And it can take a minute it can take trying this and trying this. And it's okay if you try something in ministry and it doesn't work. It's, it's not a failure. And we have the absolute confidence that God has called every one of us to a unique place that only you can fill. And when you find it, you will be fruitful you will be tested, but you will love doing it because that's what God has created you to do. And I want this church to be a place where that is happening. Can you say amen? I want every one of you to feel that it's safe here. You are discovering things about the Lord. You're learning about yourself. You're trying things and you're seeing God work. And our church has a high, high percentage of volunteers. Often churches are begging for people to sign up for children's ministry or whatever it is. We've, we've got lots. And to me, that is just a sign of a healthy church. That's a sign of a healthy church. It means that we're giving it a try. It means that we're working together so that the burden is not on any one person. And that's the best way to do it. Because ministry is a weight of responsibility. And the best thing we can do is be connected to the Lord and be connected to each other. So it's fun to see what God is doing. The rummage sale this weekend, the homeschool co-op that's starting up this week, the home groups, and other ministry ideas are going to come up. And rather than be afraid to try new things, it's exciting to say, let's see if the Lord's in that. Pastor Chuck used to call those a venture of faith. Hey, let's see if the Lord's in that. If it doesn't work, okay, we won't do it again. But if the Lord is in an idea, then it's nothing for him to provide the funds or the volunteers or the opportunity, and we get to do this together. And that is a healthy, healthy church. But when the testing comes, we need to absolutely have the faith to to handle those things and not be thrown aside and say, well, I'm, I'm never doing that again. Have you ever said that? You try and do something for the Lord, it doesn't work out. And quite frankly, many people sitting in churches have tried something and they said, well, I'm never doing that again. And I do feel personally a, a mission to help people 
who maybe had a bad ministry experience find their way back into trying things out again. We've all had our our bumps along the way. The disciples are watching Jesus deal with these Pharisees, with the religious leaders, the hostility toward Jesus, and he's about to give them more responsibility, as I think the Lord's going to give you more responsibility. And as they're seeing it, they say to Jesus, Lord, give us more faith. More faith means help us to depend on you more. Lord, help us to just depend on you in a way that we can receive what you want to do. And so in this chapter, I'm going to touch on a few things that the Lord enables us to do when we have more faith or increased faith. The first one is the ability to forgive offenses. Have any of you ever been offended by anyone? So hypothetically, if anybody around you in the church ever offends you, you need the grace to not get stumbled by it, but just to forgive them and to move on. He said to the disciples, verse 1, it is impossible that no offenses should come. Why? Because we're working with people. But woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. When you are walking in an abiding relationship with the Lord, you become more gracious toward difficult people. Amen? I know, uh, uh, not everybody's like this, but you will deal with people who are just a bad experience. Even people in the family of God, in the body of Christ. And if you're in leadership, you face people who are just more difficult people. When that happens, it seems that they become this huge distraction from the main work that we're supposed to be doing. They, they get all the attention. And what I have, have grown into, it's taken a lot of years, is to not be distracted or stumbled by difficult people. God forbid that some amazing work that God wants to do through your life would get thrown off track because somebody has offended you. But frankly, I hear these stories all the time. Oh, I used to go to church years ago. I used to be in the ministry years ago, but this happened to me. 
Have you heard stories like that? These are normal situations that happen. They happen to all of us. Now, here's the deal. You can either let it shut you down and what shut down what God wants to do through your life, or you can learn from it. This, something like this happened to me when I was in my mid-30s that could have ruined me forever of going into the ministry. And the Lord used it to actually refine me and prepare me to be a better pastor. And whatever situation that might have happened to you where maybe somebody mistreated you or said something unfair toward you, here's what the Lord is saying. Whoever causes an offense, the Lord will deal with them. You don't have to cry injustice. The Lord's saying it would be better for them if a millstone were cast around their neck. Okay? He's saying, I'll take care of it. It's, it's no different than your kids come to you and say, my brother punched me, and you say, look, I'll deal with him. You go do what I asked you to do. The Lord's saying, look, I'll take care of them. You keep your eyes on the job I asked you to do. It takes a lot of grace in your heart to just forgive them and not hold a grudge. Well, I'll forgive them if the Lord crushes them. The Lord is more just than you are, but also the Lord is trying to help them work out something in their life. So before you would have a chance to crush them to powder, the Lord is trying to help them grow through whatever irritation is in their life. I may have shared, I think I may have shared this before, but somebody who really uh, was harsh toward me and my wife early before I was a pastor, a pastor that I worked with, came to me a couple of years ago, like two years ago, and apologized for something that happened in 1993. He pulled me aside at a conference and said, when I did that to you and Catherine, I am so sorry. Now, I have moved on. The Lord even used it to make me a better pastor. Because what it did was reveal something about me that I was waiting, uh, I was really putting too much into his approval. And he was an important mentor in my life, and then he turned out to be a jerk. But the Lord used it to open my eyes. And the Lord can use offensive people around you to teach you something about yourself. Yes? Amen? Are you with me? 
We are brothers. We talk. I see him yearly at conferences. Um, but he, it, it, was, it meant something to me when he apologized. And even if he never did, I wasn't going to sit and wait and not serve the Lord until, until he apologized. And I want each of you to get on with your lives and release those old things to the Lord. Another thing that faith enables you to do is to overcome obstacles. Because the ministry will have opportunities that are way bigger than you and your abilities. In verse 5, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled down by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. Faith to overcome obstacles. Now, this doesn't mean you have faith to do anything. It means you have the faith to do the thing the Lord assigns you to do. There are things that I go do that seem, here's the thing, when the Lord gives you faith to go do something, it often can feel very easy and natural. And you don't realize it's easy because the Lord gave you the gift and the capacity to do it. And I look at some of you and the things that you guys do, and I'm thinking, I can't do that. That freaks me out. Tanner goes, let's have an Easter egg hunt in the mall. 6,000 eggs. Oh, it's 12,000 eggs now. What are we going to do? And somehow he has these crazy ideas and they work. Don't ask me to come up with these ideas for a rummage sale. We're going to have a rummage sale. He just throws out jokingly, if you got a car to donate, we'll sell it. Well, thank you very much. And the Lord used that. And these are, you're crazy, Tanner. I think you're crazy. But somebody has to be crazy in a church. I'm the calm, stable one. Tanner's the crazy one. He accepts that. But the faith to go, hey, I got an idea. Let's see if the Lord's in it. I love that. May each of you find your God-assigned crazy and go do it. Faith to overcome obstacles. Now, where does this kind of faith come from? Here's the thing. None of you should be sitting going, where can I get it? I'm going to try and work up this. This kind of faith is a gift from God. So the burden to even try and put on that you have this kind of faith, it's not there. It means you can just relax and be connected to the Lord. And when he gives you a direction, just enjoy it. Yeah, Lord, if you're into that, let's do it. Romans 12, 3, as Paul says, that God has given to each one of us a measure of faith. God has given to each one of us a measure of faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 
For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that, not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Even the faith to receive the grace is also not of yourselves, it is also a gift from God. A third thing that that faith enables us to do, and this is important, is to serve faithfully. To serve faithfully. At verse 7, Luke writes, And which of you, having a a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once and sit down to eat? But will he not rather say to him, Prepare for my something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk and afterward you will eat and drink does not he thank does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded of him I think not verse 10 and so likewise when you have done all those things which are commanded saying we have we are unprofitable servants we have done what was our duty He's kind of just telling a little story. Uh, a master has servants. They go out and work all day. They come in. They're, they're just doing what was expected of them. And that's exhausting to go out and labor all day for the servants and then come in and they have more chores to do at the end of the day in the house. And ministry can feel like it's never ending and it's thankless. I understand that. And there are times you're going, am I doing a good job? Does anybody notice if I'm doing a good job? And because it goes on and on over many years, it can feel like, well, you know, I just, I'm done. I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And I think what the Lord is saying to the apostles is there will be times when you'll feel uh, unthanked and unappreciated, like raising your kids. (laughs) You know, it is the same thing, these ungrateful kids. (laughs) But it's in those times you really learn that you're doing it as unto the Lord. And I will say it is important for us to appreciate each other in the ministry. When you see others around you working hard, those in children's ministry, the worship team, the tech team, you know, acknowledge them. Show how much you appreciate them. I think it it goes a long way. And when you're in the routine of ministry, week in, week out, you can lose perspective. Even I wonder, I'm going, am I doing a good job? I've said that before. You don't have to tell me. Um, But it's good just to have some perspective and go, that was really good. When when you tell me that the Lord is working in your life, I appreciate it. it. I just need to know the Lord's working. That each Sunday to me is an important opportunity to see God work. I'm not here to waste any time and to waste your time. I don't want to just get through a service and say, great, that's done. 
every Sunday we come together, every time you come here to serve, I want you to know your time was valued, that God was working through your lives. But in the long run, ministry is an endurance. And I pray that as you're just depending on the Lord, the Lord gives you that endurance to keep going through many, many, many years. It's important. This last thing in verse 11 through 19, I'm not going to read through this, but faith enables us to be thankful. That sounds easy, but it's surprising to me how many people I talk to in ministry are grumpy. Have you noticed that? And I have to tell pastors silly little things like, you know what? This is so exciting. I work with a pastor in, in, in Georgia. I just talked to him a couple of days ago. And I'm working with a pastor in South Carolina. And here's the thing. When God is exploding things, which he is in both of these churches that I work with, they're growing. So many people coming, buying new buildings. These pastors are stressed out. They're stressed out because it's hard to get a hold of managing and leading these big things. And I have to tell these pastors, these young guys around age of 40, your people need you to be happy. Don't be so stressed out because God is working that you show up at church grumpy. I feel like the old man telling these young guys, you just need to be happy. This church needs to be happy. Do you, do you want a happy church? Okay. It is such a powerful testimony to visitors and to the city that we are in. We're not just hardworking, grumpy people. Jesus healed 10 lepers, and out of the 10, how many of them came back to give thanks for what God had done? Anybody know the story? One. And Jesus says, didn't I, didn't I heal 10? Where are the other nine? Worship is our response for what God has done in our lives. So I believe God is working in every one of your lives. Amen? So you should be really thankful people when we worship, when we fellowship, and it is an amazingly powerful testimony to the city that we're in. Amen? Let's stand together as we close today. I'm going to ask our worship team or our prayer team to come forward, and I want to challenge you. Are you a person of this kind of faith? Do you have the faith to forgive people? The faith to overcome obstacles? The faith to, to, to have endurance? The faith to just stay the course? The faith to be thankful? To do the work 
and yet stay the course. And it all comes from touching the icon. You have access to Jesus through touching him. I don't know many of you to the degree to know if you have this kind of relationship with the Lord, but it's a personal, intimate relationship with the Lord. It's not just a church relationship. It's not a name in, in name only relationship with God, but it's personal, you know him. As we close in this prayer, take time to respond to the Lord. Come forward for prayer with the worship team and let's see new things that God wants to do in our lives. Lord, today we thank you for increasing our capacity, being patient with us through days when we weren't forgiving, when we didn't have endurance. And Lord, that's all of us. But today, we pray for renewing, for restoring, for increasing. And we just say, Lord, like the disciples, Lord, increase our faith that we can just touch you and have access to all that you offer.